Do you know what a V-Red is? How about a SOS? What about this one? An SBP. Whether you and your family have been in the military for months, years, or perhaps you've already retired, something we talk about today will directly impact you and your family. I'm your host, Senior Master Sergeant Dave Taglaferro, and this is the Team Charleston Family Readiness Podcast. Today we're going to be covering the Casualty Assistance Program and how important it is that service members and their families take the necessary actions now in the event of a family emergency later. Today we meet the Joint Base Charleston Casualty Assistant Representative. He serves the needs of the entire Joint Base Charleston area. He helps guide families through challenging times by assisting them in navigating the administrative process, answering questions, and then also ensures that vital documents get to the appropriate agencies so families can get the benefits they're eligible for. We do a deep dive into many aspects of the Casualty Program, and it's a content-dense episode today. You're going to hear some forms right off the bat that we're going to explain in a little more detail later and discover how important they are to you and your family. So hold on to your seat. Our guest today had a distinguished 26-year Air Force career. Afterward, they continued their government service with the Veterans Administration. And now he's been at Joint Base Charleston as the Casualty Assistance Representative for the last four and a half years. Here we go with today's guest, Mr. Brian Harriman. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the Team Charleston Family Readiness Podcast, and I am sitting here today with Joint Base Charleston's Casualty Assistance Representative, Mr. Brian Harriman. Brian, how are we today? Good afternoon, Joint Base Charleston. <laughs> hey, this is Brian here, rocking you from the DD-93 to the SBP. So if you're a service member, a retiree, or a family member of one of those folks, hey, stick with Senior Mass Sergeant Tagliar Farrell and myself, we got some good information for you today. There is a ton of energy coming from you, and I love it. This is going to be a huge episode for two reasons. First off, you're bringing your A-game, and I dig that. And second, this is the first episode where I am actually in person, face-to-face with a guest. So here we go. We're going to just go ahead and dive right into this because the Casualty Assistance Representative, or CAR for short, frankly was an enigma to me before I started working at the Military and Family Readiness Center. And I can only assume it probably is for a lot of other people out there. So we're going to dive right in, Brian, and start off with this. What is a CAR? Uh, I am an Air Force Casualty Assistance Representative, generally referred to as a CAR. A lot of things that I do are dealt around, unfortunately, somebody who's passed away. So if it's an active duty service member, um, maybe a retiree, There's generally some reporting that has to be done, maybe some assisting. Those are the pieces that I get involved in. And, but that can be kind of the unfortunate downside, negative look at it. But I also have uh, a lot of knowledge and then, and I am the subject matter expert for a variety of things that service members and retirees deal with almost, almost every day, or at least once a year, depending on life events. So you're going to be assisting with the families during probably one of the most, if not the most, traumatic emotional points in their lives. What are some of the things that you assist with in this traumatic time, in that trying time for the families? All right, thank you for asking. Um, So for a service member, a couple of things that are very important for service members, be the active duty, guard, reserve, one of them, 
is their DD-93. A lot of people refer to it as the record of emergency data or just the RED. And so for every service member, this is a document that they need to make sure stays updated. Okay, so what about this RED that needs to be updated? I'm, we've all heard about it. I mean, we're just, what, putting our name of our spouse on there, maybe our parents. How often does this have to get updated, and why do I even need to care about this? Besides, I guess, Uncle Sam telling me I have to. Well, at a minimum, it should be reviewed and certified every year. A lot of times it's done during your birth month. Um, but it also needs to be reviewed and updated based on military life events or personal life events. And for the military life events, that could be anything from a deployment, maybe a, a change in duty station, things of that nature. And for the personal side, that could be anything from moving from one house to another. Um, maybe you get married, maybe unfortunately divorce, have children, things of that nature. Um, and the main reason being is if you're not f really familiar with what's on your record of emergency data. Oh, I have no idea. I haven't looked at it since basic. You'll, you need to take a look <laughs> okay. at it. Okay. It's either going to be a DD-93 somewhere in your record, or it may be a switched over to a digital version that you do online through your services, um, either PSD, military personnel flight, something to that nature. For the Air Force, I believe it is the virtual MPF. You can go and update that red. It most certainly is. Because some of the things that are on the record of emergency data, it has your information, name, social, your current address. Okay. So one of the reasons why to keep it up to date. Fair enough. Um, if you're married, it, you, it has your spouse information. Um, it also has a section where you can list people who need to be notified um, if you either unfortunately were to pass away in some kind of an accident or maybe if you become missing or things of that nature. There's several casualty statuses where it can come into play. And it also has a place where you list parents. Okay. So updating that becomes important because unfortunately, you know, parent, parents can predecease, you know, children. So if something like that's happened, maybe parents have divorced, different addresses, all of those pieces of data are very, very important because the best way you can look at a DD-93, it's your way of telling your service, this is who I want to be the beneficiary for a monetary benefit. This is who I want you to notify and where you can find them. So if that's not correct, then there's going to be some challenges and difficulty get a holding people in a timely manner. And that's really not what you want. We're trying to get a hold of the families to let them know about your casualty status. And if you don't have the right addresses, that could take hours. And maybe even the people that need to get notified that you want to get notified, they might not even get notified because they're not on this red. Correct. It can definitely create, I'm going to just say challenges, but that's putting it nicely. It can create some serious problems with the service branch trying to make sure that those notifications are done. So whether you've been in for years or just months, take a look at your record of emergency data. If there's something on it that you know needs to be corrected, correct it. If you have a question about a certain topic, you can reach out to your supervisor, your unit leadership. You can even reach out to myself as a casualty assistance representative. Um, I may work specifically for the Air Force, but we're talking about a lot of things at a DOD, Department of Defense, so I have no problem sharing the my knowledge because it does affect 
just you know pretty much every service branch. Um, one thing that I'll mention as a highlight on the record of emergency data, there's something called a PAD. It's an acronym, P-A-D-D. Okay. It stands for Person Authorized to Direct Disposition. And what that means is that's the person who makes the decision on a service member's um, remains, you know, where they're going to be laid to rest and how and things of that nature. You know, that can be something that is new and unique to somebody when they come in the military. So look at that. Know what it is. And choose somebody who can make sure that your wishes are met. Sure. So so the PAD, are they working with mortuary affairs and the funeral home to get your get you back home and then set up the funeral or whatever arrangements there are? Yes, they are. They're going to work with the mortuary component of their service branch to make sure that whether they're laid to rest local to where they're at, home taken back home a record, you know, the, all of those decisions are, is going to fall on the pad. And that pad is important because they are the, the liaison to the military, essentially. Yes, when it comes to the service member, yes. So if it's one member of the family, they are the member of the family that's going to be communicating with the military. So if you want it to be somebody else, you need to identify that. You can't just assume that it's going to be your brother or your sister, when in reality, that's not who you have on your red. Correct. If, if they're not listed on the red, then they will probably do something called its order of precedence. Okay. And... It's written into U.S. code that if there isn't somebody named, that's the term they use. And what that means is um, if there isn't somebody named, surviving spouse is always usually the primary person mm -hmm. who gets involved. If there isn't a surviving spouse, it could be a, a surviving child depending on their age, or it can shift over and fall onto one of their parents, whoever's the oldest. And that may seem like a smart way of doing things or a perfectly natural flow. Mm -hmm. But depending on life events, you know, there could be just a situation where maybe that's not how you want it to go. Um, can get specific on that one, but don't want to mention one specific and sure, not another. Sure, but sure. just think about it and make sure the right person is identified. And as you're going to see, if you look at this document, you can change this just because you submit it today. You could change it tomorrow if you if there was somebody else who who was going to right. If there's a life event, maybe you yes. get married and then you want to change it mm -hmm. to your spouse. Definitely. Maybe your parents move. Full disclosure here: my parents moved. I completely forgot they moved, and it took me a year before I realized they moved because I got that notification that it was time to update my red on my birthday. So everybody gets a notification that it's time to check their V-RED on their birthday. 40,000 total force airmen have a birthday each month, and all those 40,000 get an email from the virtual MPF reminding them. And the next thing becomes, what do they do with that email? Do they take action? Well, they. I don't know if all 40,000 of them are immediately taking action, but I assume at least some of them are. I have a stat in front of me right here that says, recent data reveals more than 35% of airmen have not reviewed or updated their VRED in the last year. That's 35% of airmen who could have wrong info, who could be delaying their loved ones from getting notified of an important event. That's, that's a big deal, and I know part of your job is to actually go out there and let commanders and leadership know when people have actually not updated their RED. Am I right, or am I just 
Or am I wrong here? Nope, most certainly. Okay. Um, I have access to the record of emergency data reports for the Air Force um, units here at Joint Base Charleston. And, you know, generally um, a couple of times a year, I'll send the unit commander a red report so they can see, like, who hasn't done their initial one, um, who hasn't updated or at least reviewed theirs and recertified it and within the past year, things of that nature. And because, yes, it most certainly can be very difficult to keep it 100%. That's the goal. You know, it's not the easiest one to meet, but uh, I, it would be nice if it happened on the entire base and the entire Air Force. No, totally agree with you there. There are a couple of monetary benefits that you can name beneficiary for on that on the record of emergency data as well. So you'll come across that. Um, just the same thing. You know, be aware of what they are and think, think long and hard and make sure the right person or right people are identified in there. You know, that your wishes are on paper and can be met. Since we're talking about electronic, electronic casualty forms, I suppose I'll say, what, what is a SOS? SOS. Yes. SOS. SOS is an acronym and it's also a unique acronym because it's an acronym made up of another acronym. Um, it's called SOES, S-O-E-S. It's like f- a dream inside of a dream, just inception here. <laughs> the first S is for SGLI, Service Members Group okay. Life Insurance. The other letters are for Online Enrollment System. So what happened in 2017 is, and kudos to the Navy, they were first to jump on board with this. The SGLI component went from paper-based forms to an online enrollment system. So, and that's what that acronym is. So how you access it, there's a DMDC site called MillConnect. Um, all the service branches use it. And in there is where a service member can log in with their common access card, access SOS, and they can either increase, decrease their SGLI depending on what they currently have. If they have a spouse, they can take some action on the FSGLI portion, the family uh, family coverage. Okay. And they can just see in there, okay, what do they have? What do they have for SGLI coverage? What do they have for FSGLI coverage? Does it match what they want? Um, they can make changes, increase or decrease. That is the place where they have control over their um, SGLI election. Definitely. And much like the record of emergency data, when it comes to SGLI, you can name you know, a beneficiary, more than one if you want. Do they have to match? Excuse me? Does the red and the SOS have to match? No. Okay. No, they don't. There's an expectation that a spouse would be the beneficiary for life insurance, but the service member has control over who they name as beneficiary and for what percentage percentage of their life insurance coverage. The SGLI online enrollment system, SOS, that's the place to make sure that not only that you have the coverage you want, but again, to do an annual certification that everything is correct. Because again, military and life events, you know, people move, address changes, you know, the same thing. There's going to be names and addresses listed on there, and you want to make sure that they all stay up to date. And what you do is you make sure that these are all filled out, but when something does happen to a service member or a family member, you're making sure that those benefits are distributed in a timely manner, you're working through the various forms that they have to fill out in order to receive this resources, benefits, 
with each family? Yes, I do. If if there's, it's generally referred to as somebody who's a next of kin. Okay. So if there's a beneficiary or next of kin that is in the Joint Base Charleston area, the Air Force Personnel Center will reach out to me to assist them with. Oh, so you get assigned to yes. actually work with a family. Okay. To to work with them with whatever portion of paperwork needs to be done, and you know if you're familiar with the military, you know. We, def- we love our paperwork. You know, we live on it. There's always paperwork to be done. So much paperwork. And it can be daunting. It can be it's stressful. It's intimidating. So to me, to have somebody that can help make sure, you know, the right blocks are filled out, I's are dotted, T's crossed, it'll keep it smooth. Most people, this is definitely a situation they'd rather not be in. You don't even want to think about it, honestly. It, you know, they, usually for them, they would rather not, have to, you know, interact with me and take care of this paperwork. But because unfortunately, you know, we're in that moment, I just want to make it easy. And so that way the claims can go through with the least amount of trouble, hopefully no problems, but with the least amount of troubles. Right. You guide the families through a challenging time and there's a lot of administrative stuff that has to happen. And you're kind of there to just walk them through it all make sure that they are understanding what they're signing, what it is they're turning in, and then you make sure that it gets to the right organizations. Most definitely. Awesome. That's exactly what I do. No, thank you. That was, it's almost like I know what's going on. <laughs> so, so that's the casualty portion of your job. Now, I do have a question about this. Once again, I didn't know anything about this until I came over to the center. But my question is, my next question is, and I've gotten this one a lot, what is the survivor benefit plan? And is this, is this essentially just my retirement? Um, the survivor benefit plan, no, it's, it's not just retirement. Um, it is a monetary survivor benefit for surviving spouses um, and or surviving children of a service member who dies while on active duty or active duty status. And you, also, and you also deal with this. So you deal with yes. the casualty portion and you also deal with the SBP. Yes, there are some legal components of it that can be a little bit too much to get, I'm going to say, get involved in on a, a little podcast. bit too much in the weeds. But it's in Title 10 of the U.S. Code. And all that means it's in the law. Mm-hmm. Service members generally aren't aware of it because they don't have to name a beneficiary. It's not something that's listed on the record of emergency data. You don't, there isn't a separate website for it. Um, and it usually will only become a thing if unfortunately there's uh, an active duty death and I do the assistance part with a surviving spouse and or surviving children and when it comes to looking at eligibility for it. So a lot of active duty and guard and reserves won't be aware of it until it's time for them to retire. Whether they medically retire or retire due due to years in service, Uh, One of the things they'll probably have to take care of is some paperwork with their service branch for the survivor benefit plan. Because when you're active duty, there's no cost. But when you retire, if you want to maintain that coverage for your surviving spouse um, and or surviving children, you've got to make some elections on it and you've got to start taking care of the premiums for it, paying the premiums. So that's usually when people first realize or find out it's it's a benefit. It's a thing. It's a thing. And it's almost, is it almost like an insurance policy, but not quite? Um, not quite. 
a lot of people will look at the two of them and try to try to draw some parallels. The big thing, like life insurance, you know, it can be a lump sum, like a one-time payment. Um, maybe there's multiple payments, but it's usually a certain amount that gets paid. And once it's completely paid, then you have your insurance, you know, in your oops, excuse me, in your account, and then it's up to you to budget it and use it for any expenses. The survivor benefit plan is an annuity. And what that means is the if somebody's eligible for it, they get a monthly survivor annuity. And as long as they're eligible, they get that each and every month. And for a spouse, that could be for the rest of their life. Oh, all right. That Oh, okay. So that, that could be, a, I guess it depends on your situation on whether or not it would be advantageous for somebody to make this election before they separate and, or retire is what you said. Well, and not for people who separate. This isn't oh, something that okay, they... Oh, just retirees. It's for retirees, medical retirees or longevity, you know, length of service retirees. They're the ones who are eligible for it. Because what happens is the survivor annuity amount and the cost is all based on that individual person's uh, retirement pay, retirement, you know, as they go through hey, being retired. Sure. It's all based off of that. So each person... Different rank, different time in service, their base pay is different. It all is going to be just slightly different. I assume there's a formula for all of this. Oh, there most certainly is. A nice Excel sheet, maybe? Um, there most certainly is. There's, I know for the Air Force, there's a My Air Force Benefits website where anybody who's in the Air Force, they can go to it and log in with their, their common access card, and it'll populate their data, and they can look at and forecast retirement pay, survivor best survivor benefit plan estimates, the annuity, the cost, everything to that aspect. Um, here at Joint Base Charleston, when it's time for somebody to, you know, get ready to medically retire, I'll get an SBP rip, and all that means it's a ten-page report, and I reach out to them via email and work with them to schedule a briefing and go over retirement pay and survivor benefit plans so that way they're aware of what it is, what it isn't, and a bigger one, what decisions need to be made before they start terminal leave and leave the area. Because depending on what they want to do, you know, there might be, you know, spouse concurrence, sure. things of that nature. You're, you are on the out-processing checklist, so nobody is getting out of the military until they come and see you and make an election or do they not? Well, if they're retiring in the retiree out-processing mm -hmm. checklist is loaded against their Social Security number, then yes, there'll be two tasks that they see. Okay. The Survivor Benefit Plan Briefing and also a form called the DD-2656. So many forms. Again, you know, you know, government agencies, we love our paperwork. We live on it. But you're here to help out with that. Almost definitely. <laughs> and that's an important one because it's several pages and I'll help help Air Force retirees you know, fill it out and make sure it's correct. So not only is the SBP election correct, but their retirement pay starts on time and gets deposited where they want it right on the first month that they're eligible. So we're talking about monthly retirement pay with that one. So everybody's always very interested in their pay. So I could imagine you're probably a popular guy around then. So yeah, every branch of service uses that DD-2656 and it all gets um, coordinated with the Defense Finance and Accounting Service, usually called DFAS. And then you send all the paperwork to the necessary agencies, and then hopefully the person is getting paid retirement pay on time. Yes. Awesome. I really, I really think that's an important thing to, to lay out because a lot of people, they'll be getting ready to retire, 
and get out. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I have to do this part that might take some time, especially if I need some concurrence on things. So we don't want people to all of a sudden forget about you and forget about this important piece of the puzzle when it comes to retirement. All right. Well, we've definitely been doing a lot of the talking on here um, about survivor benefit plan and also casualty, the regular emergency data. And a lot of it is up until now has been a lot of focus on somebody who's in the military sure. and maybe getting ready to retire. Okay. Um, definitely all of that is crazy important in that for that person. But I do want to shift over and talk about somebody who's already retired from the military. Okay. So you also help out retirees and yes, separated people. So for somebody who's retired from the military, all four DOD branches have this, you know, they, depending on whether it's medical or longevity, they, you know, they're probably a blue ID card holder. You know, that'll be a sure. key thing. They might be getting monthly retirement pay from DFAS, or if it's a medical retirement, maybe not, you know, unique factors, but they're all retired. They all, when they were first eligible to retire, should have done some paperwork to elect or decline survivor benefit plan coverage. Big footstop from me is if you're retired from the military, get a hold of your latest retiree account statement. Um, a lot of times referred to as a RAS, R-A-S. And this is sent to people via mail? Well, DFAS a lot of times will mail one once a year. They'll probably get it right around January. Or if you have access to MyPay, mm -hmm. the DFAS um, online pay system, then you can log in to your account and you can see your monthly RAS in there. The big thing you want to look for is what does it state in there for your survivor benefit plan? Does it say declined? Does it say it has spouse coverage? It'll have the amounts and to see, just to be aware of what you have or don't have. Now, it doesn't mean you can, I can guarantee that you're going to be able to make any changes to it. All of that's based on what's written in the law but you need to first be aware of it, and then you can always reach out to get um, answers to questions. And also, it doesn't have as many things on it like a record of emergency data, but you can name a beneficiary for unpaid retirement pay. All of those things become important for the same reasons, life events. Retirees, they'll, they'll move, they'll get married, mm -hmm. um, they may get divorced. Unfortunately, you know, somebody can predecease them. All of that becomes important to keeping their information up to date with the defense finance and accounting service. And I'm going to actually put the link to that DFAS website for the retired military SBP info in our show notes, just so you can go in here and look at the various ways that people can change or are able to elect coverage after retirement or end it after retirement. Mm -hmm. There are some, some examples on here that they give, but there is very specific examples that you have to fall into. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and for somebody who is retired, you know, you've got several resources, one of which on your retiree account statement is the phone number for the Defense Finance and Accounting Service. You can always reach out to them to have them look into your account um, and provide information on it. Um, it is something that I also can may be able to assist a retiree with, but I'll say with COVID-19 and not being able to come and see me in my office, if I can't confirm who they are, I can't be just looking into a retiree's pay account on their behalf without having some confirmation of who they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you actually brought up a great point that I want to circle back around to. What services are you providing in this current environment? All right. 
So with COVID-19, um, so the one thing I am definitely still doing, I do the in-person survivor benefit plan briefing for Air Force Service members that are retiring. So I will still do those here in the center. Um, we do them in one of the classrooms so we can maintain plenty the, of six feet. Oh yeah, the social distancing. We're six feet apart right now. Actually, I wanted to point that out. <laughs> yes, in we case are. anybody was worried. Um, and so for spouses, if they're a, if they're available to attend the briefing, highly encouraged. Can brief the the service member and the, and the spouse so they know what what that benefit is and what the paperwork entails. And because it doesn't mean that when they get the briefing, they've got to make a decision while they're sitting there. You know, they may have some time to just think about it and figure out that kind of estate planning. But the sooner the briefing's done, uh, based on the whole six months prior to retirement, then the sooner they can, you know, think about it, factor it in, and make those kind of important decisions. And part of that is all the paperwork that goes with it. I'm going to make sure it's filled out correctly and make sure it gets sent into the right places. Now, for the military retiree side, you know, in... It's going to be a little difficult to be able to meet a, a retiree and help them out because right now the base has definitely got some mission critical sure. access only. But if a military retiree unfortunately passes away, I most certainly can help a surviving spouse or maybe if it's another family member with the things that need to be taken care of. So at a minimum for a retiree, the defense finance and accounting service has to be called. If they've got VA benefits as well, the VA needs to be called. Um, those phone calls can add stress to an already stressful situation. Sure. And as long as I can get confirmation of, of name and social and things of that nature, I have no problems calling those two agencies on behalf of a family member. Um, because the calls need to be done. But I'm going to tell you, they are not... They're not the most exciting call to make. People will definitely be, um, they, will, they will have their express their condolences, but it is a government call center and things need to be done. So I have no problems doing those calls on their behalf. To me, it's one of the things that I feel is a plus from what I do is just to be able to make sure those calls are done, but to take it off their list of things to do. And then I can also look at you know, help them when it comes to understanding the benefits. Maybe I can email them some blank forms so they can see what needs to be done. Um, possibly can mail them to them if it's if email and computer access are not something that they have available to them. You know, try to figure out a way to get them the assistance they need to make it less stressful in an already unfortunate situation. Yeah, you're really helping them out through a difficult time and really helping them navigate through all of the necessary steps that have to take place in such an event. You mentioned a few things. I also want to make sure I get your phone number out there for everybody, as well as some other contact information. And I'll go ahead and put all of that in the show notes if anybody wants to check that out. I wouldn't be doing my customers justice if I don't at least speak a little bit to family members of service members and military retirees. Okay. Um, a lot of times... You're an important piece of, of the, the puzzle, the dynamic, because you may be the one that's left behind, you know, to take care of things. So as much as it's a service member's responsibility to take care of their record of emergency data, you know, a family member needs to be aware of what's going on because 
they may fall on them to make sure that things are taken care of. Burial wishes, you know, benefits, anything like that, especially for a retiree. You know, it's very common for a surviving child and they may be an adult to help take care of mom and dad during that sure. time frame is to be aware of what's there, what isn't. And a big foot stop from me, if you're a veteran, be it separated or retired, mm-hmm. if you have a DD-214, make sure somebody in your family, um, spouse, child, good friend, has it or knows where it is. The big reason being for somebody who's separated or retired, that document becomes key to requesting military honors at a funeral. It becomes important to to setting up a VA burial at a national cemetery, and that's Veterans Affairs, so Veterans Burial at a national cemetery. You know, requesting a burial flag. So the DD-214 um, is an extremely important document. So if you're in the service getting ready to separate or retire, talk to your personnel office. Have a good understanding of when and how you're going to get that document after you separate or retire. And if you're already out, make sure you have it. And that's why it's so important that those military members are looking at that record of emergency data, going into that that acronym inside of an acronym SOS to make sure that their SGLI is up to date and and then also making sure that they have the right email addresses, paperwork, DD-214s, everything that your loved ones might need in the event that something does happen to the service member. So it's critical to start thinking about that stuff right now, even though nobody wants to think about it. I never want to think about the worst case scenario. That's, that's no fun. Nobody wants to think about that right now. And one thing I'll mention is throw a little bit over to Military One Source. If we've talked about so many things and you know that they're important, but hey, maybe the last thing you want to do is listen to me talk on this podcast again. <laughs> Go to Military One Source. They have an estate planning checklist on there. It's about six or seven pages long, but for most people, it'll probably cover just about anything that, that they would need to think about. Anything from having somebody's full name, you know, to include full middle name, you know, maybe having life insurance paperwork. Maybe having passwords to a computer. Um, this one has happened where a family member knew veterans DD-214 was on a computer, but it was password protected and they couldn't Oof. get to it. So things of that nature. It, you know, If you own a business or it'll talk about things like that, about if you have an attorney, what their contact information is. You can use that as one, one source document. If you put everything together, then you would have all the information that either you need or to give to somebody so that they can take care of things when unfortunately the time comes. Thank you so much, Brian Harriman. I appreciate you coming on the show today and being my first in-person guest. Do you have anything else, any parting shots for the family members out there? Um, I'll say probably the the biggest thing I'll share, you know, it, it's unfortunate. Everybody's, you know, going through COVID-19 and maybe you're spending more um time at home than you had initially anticipated so use the time while you're together put get all the documents together have talk about these important things so that way you can move on and enjoy the family time barbecuing you know playing family games and you know that you've got this piece at least at least started or got all the documents put together awesome brian thank you so much for those wise words and uh we will be in touch So thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 
There it is, everyone. Like I said to start, this was a content-rich show. We figured out what those acronyms at the top of the episode were and that we have some major takeaways from today's installment. One of those takeaways is that if there's a life event, you've got some homework to do. Whether it's the birth of a child, a marriage, a divorce, or even if your parents have moved, there's probably some paperwork that has to be updated. Maybe it's a record of emergency data and you want to update an address. Perhaps you have to change the beneficiary on your service member's group life insurance. Or maybe you've had a child and you've already retired, but you want to see if you can change your survivor benefit plan. Brian is still doing in-person survivor benefit plan briefings, and spouses are highly encouraged to attend. For retiree services, Brian is even helping those family members over the phone. If you've retired and don't remember what your survivor benefit plan election was, that's okay. Brian has let us know that you can go into MyPay through DFAS to access your retiree account statement to determine what you selected as your coverage. We at the Team Charleston Family Readiness Podcast come out with new episodes each week, and we cover a wide range of topics that impact you and your family. Go into your favorite podcast app, subscribe, and leave a review. You can find more information on the Casualty Assistance Program by opening up your show notes and checking out some of the links we have. Once again, thank you for listening. Take care, stay safe out there, and check back next week. Bye.